Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, we won one. We, in the deepest blue of states, California, in the deepest blue of cities, Los Angeles, something good happened. Also, we want to dig into an editorial piece from the Wall Street Journal about the lab leak theory. This one's going to be a great show for you. Thanks for watching The Joe Bob Show. My name is Joe Bob, and it starts right now. Three, two, one. Completely cut off from the outside world. My name is Joe Bob. Thanks for watching the Joe Bob Show. Today it is, how did it already get to be August 2nd, 2021? Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. We've got an interesting show. We've got the headlines to wrap up the weekend. Uh, we've got uh, apparently some good news coming out of Los Angeles, which is just mind bottling. <laughs> some good news coming out of the city of Los Angeles that. Uh, is not entirely going with the deep blue generalities that they generally go with. Um, but all of that and more, we get the lab leak theory with uh, the Wall Street Journal has a, has a great editorial piece. All that and more coming up as soon as I tell you about capitalist propaganda. Capitalist propaganda is the best way to tell your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck. This is, uh, this is only you can help spread capitalist propaganda to defeat the empire. Uh, capitalist propaganda just has some fun, cool designs. Uh, this is my, probably my favorite. Go ahead. Use your iPhone to tweet about how much you hate me. Um, a lot of cool designs at capitalistpropaganda.us. Go get your capitalist propaganda gear. Tell your socialist friends that their ideas completely suck. And you may be thinking, well, where did you get that awesome t-shirt that you're wearing right now? The CNN, CNN sucks shirt. Uh, well, that's also capitalistpropaganda.us. So uh, before we get into the main stories of the day, we kind of want to run down all the things that happened over the weekend. Uh, it was an interesting weekend, not a ton of big things happening, but nevertheless interesting. Uh, women's soccer lost to Canada. Blah, don't care about that. Uh, at all, really. I, the, the Olympics used to be so cool. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's um, the fact that we have constant updates on what is happening, when it's happening, as opposed to waiting for the nighttime broadcast. And we didn't know who won anything until we watched it on TV late at night with our families huddled around the living room TV. Uh, but now we just know instantaneously. So it, it, I don't know if that's just causing it to lose its luster, but uh, I, I've been watching almost zero Olympics. But women's soccer lost to Canada. Um, they're going to play for the bronze. The U.S. piled on to uh, Iran for a deadly drone attack on an Israeli-tied tanker ship. Now, the reason that's somewhat interesting is that obviously the U.S. is trying to structure a nuclear deal with Iran, and blaming them for a drone attack isn't necessarily the best way to go about negotiations, but obviously, given the fact that they said the, the Secretary of State's office decided to, yes, condemn Iran for this attack, says something about how obvious that it was. The UK and Israel had already been saying this, um, but the US had been silent. Again, this all comes when we're trying to structure a nuclear deal with Iran, which is been complicated to say the least. Um, this out of People Magazine magazine, which is a magazine for those of you who don't know, is a website that they used to print out on paper uh, for some reason. Uh, but this headline out of People, fully vaccinated people in Massachusetts make up 74% of COVID infections in a CDC study. Uh, out of 469 cases, 360, 346 were vaccinated, which is about 74%. Uh, of those, 274 were symptomatic, four were hospitalized. Uh, this is a, a non-starter for me. I, I don't care anymore. I, I, I've, I've given up the, I've lost the ability to care about COVID statistics uh, because at the end of this headline, uh, nobody died. So, you know, I, I don't know what the scary headlines are for. I don't understand the... 74% of people that are vaccinated still got COVID. Yeah, but nobody died. So, you know, whatever. We all get diseases all the time and you can test positive for, I don't know, the common cold. And if you don't die, who cares? Um, but that's a, a scary headline coming out of People Magazine. Uh, another 
interesting headline given the COVID situation right now. President, former President Barack Obama, is throwing a 60th birthday party for himself at his Martha's Vineyard's home, which is expected to have 700 people on the guest list, which, do it. Just do it. I, I don't often agree with President Obama, but do it. That's I, that's totally fine. Your guests have the decision to come or not come. You have the decision to throw the party or not throw the party, but do it. The only reason I bring this up is because all of the other news outlets would trash any conservative. Okay, imagine if Donald Trump Jr. Or, or anybody in the Trump family or anybody in even a moderate Republican seat decided to throw a 700-person party. The media would be up in arms and outraged by it. Um, Business Insider did report it fairly, 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 um, kind of criticizing the former president for having a birthday party with the whole COVID situation going on. Um, but nevertheless, it's not getting anywhere near the attention that it would be if this was a more conservative individual throwing this party, given everything that's going on with COVID. But nevertheless, Obama is throwing a big city birth party for himself. 700 people are expected to attend. Um, last big thing, supposedly there's a bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, $550 billion, uh, which honestly is, is, I don't know if I'd say that it win necessarily because it's still the government spending money and doing things and the government is not good at doing things and very good at spending money wastefully. Um, but it is way less than the $4 trillion package that was on the table uh, back several months ago. Uh, you guys remember when Biden trotted out, uh, who was it, Murkowski, um, Mitt Romney, a bunch of these uh, center-right Republicans and said, we have a deal. And then Nancy Pelosi said, I'm not voting on that deal. Then Biden came back, so we have a deal, but it's contingent on this other deal. And then the Republicans behind him said, wait, we don't agree to any of that. Um, so supposedly they have a deal this time. I guess we'll all trust it when it's actually at the president's desk. But the fact that it's way less than what they were shooting for uh, is a good sign for the country, I guess, uh, going forward. CBS News is reporting the bipartisan legislation is the first part of a two-track strategy pushed by the White House and Democrat leaders to enact key pillars to the Biden economic agenda. So kind of like the last one when they had this big bipartisan show in front of the, in front of the White House in the Rose Garden, they have your moderate Republicans behind the Democratic president saying we have a bipartisan deal and ended up blowing up because it was really contingent on the next deal uh, down the road. This one seems pretty similar. Once this plan clears the Senate, Senator Schumer said he would immediately move to phase two, a broader $3.5 trillion spending proposal that encompasses the president's policies on childcare, healthcare, education, and the environment. So, I don't know. This could be a deal that they end up get passed, this first infrastructure deal that would address some of the issues from an infrastructure standpoint that we do have. But if this next one's down the pipe and they're expecting this one to pass, uh, I would expect Mitch McConnell and Republicans to thoroughly oppose it uh, as it is another $3.5 trillion Democrat wish list. So, those are the headlines wrapping up the weekend. Not necessarily a super eventful weekend, but different things happened that were uh, seemingly important. This is what I really want to get at. If you live in California, as I do, um, you're fully aware of the homeless issue that has just completely whacked our state. Uh, California houses, I think, a third of the entire country's homeless population. Now, the caveat also being California also has the biggest population. So proportionally, that would make sense that one, we would have the most, but a third? Well, why? Why do we have a third of the homeless population? Because in California, unfortunately, we've decided as a state and as individual cities to make it completely easy for people to be homeless and live on the streets. However, however, 
There is some good news. This headline is at Business Insider. LA Mayor Eric Garcetti signs ordinance criminalizing homelessness following city council vote in city council vote in favor of it. Now, some of the language here is a little bit loaded. The criminalizing homelessness, that's a big calling card for Democrats. Uh, or for liberals, your lefty type, that say, well, you're going to criminalize homeless people? Um, look, whatever the situation is, you can't have people sleeping in the middle of public places that us, the taxpayers, are going to to do whatever we want to do. That park down the street that you paid for with tax dollars is taken over by homeless people, and you can't go. You can't take your kids there. So how, how fair is that? Um, and then they throw around words like, you're criminalizing homelessness. Give me a break. Get out of here. The mayor of Los Angeles signed an ordinance Thursday making it unlawful for people to sit, lie, sleep, or otherwise situate their belongings in the public right away. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Somebody is doing something about the big problem that is homeless people just taking over the public. The measure makes it illegal to sit, lie, sleep, or set up encampments near sensitive use property or other areas such as streets, overpasses, underpasses, freeway ramps, um, and more are mentioned in the document itself. Um, this ordinance also passed LAC Council 13 to 2. So overwhelming majority of the city council, 13 to 2 is a big heaping majority of the LA City Council, uh, said that, yeah, you shouldn't be able to just sit, sleep, or lie wherever you want. Um, whether it's businesses or taxpayers, the community has paid for these places to be a place where the community can use. Like I said, the park that you your tax dollars go to, you can't go there. You can't go with your kids and, and use the playground equipment because you've got a homeless person camping underneath it, and you don't know what they're going to do. Um, the ordinance goes into effect 30 days after signing. Um, Garcetti did not immediately respond to any um, requests for comments. Placing personal property in the right of way is, is what's going to be a big thing. You have these encampments. I don't even want to explain necessarily. I'm going to share a screen with you. If you haven't already seen this, uh, this is an Instagram page called People of or Street People of Los Angeles. It is uh, hilarious and horrifying. It is a page that highlights. Oh, look, just take a look at this. This is some dude's house. Literally, it's a, it's a house with a TV. This is a better setup than I have in my own home that I own. This is a better setup there. Uh, this guy has a big TV. Uh, it's open to the outdoors. He's got, uh, he's got lights. He's got electricity. I'm sure he's got snacks. Honestly, it sounds great. Um, but you can't have this in public streets. For those of you just listening, this guy's got a tent. You can see through the tent. He's watching the Dodgers game, probably having a great time. Um, but you, you can't have that. You can't have people setting up whatever they want, wherever they want. Because if you can, there's an empty lot across the street from my house. Why, why don't I just go take it over and start building stuff? Um What's the difference between temporary and permanent uh, in terms of a structure? Look, this this um, this also has. Uh, I'm hoping I'm not going to show anything too brutal here, but this also has. This is just. This is the homeless population has taken over Venice, and as you can see, there's just people fighting constantly. Um, it's just dangerous. I, I wouldn't walk. Um, down the, there's, there's camp, there's fires all over the place. Uh, if you don't follow street people of Los Angeles, you should, it is a really, really interesting look into what has become of LA streets. Um, but all that's to say is that LA mayor, Eric Garcetti signed a bill that said you can't do that anymore, which that makes sense. Now, um, as ridiculous as it is, there are people that are against this bill. There are people that uh, are protesting the ordinance voted on by 
13 out of 15 LA City Council members and signed by the mayor. There are people against this. Um, LA residents and organizations have protested or are posting their grievances in opposition to the ordinance on Twitter. But again, I, I don't understand why people say that in articles. What, what does that mean? Uh, we're upset. Twitter is upset. Yeah, Twitter woke up upset. Everybody in the world. Twitter is just a, a cesspool of rage. <laughs> so I don't understand posting their opposition and grievances on Twitter. Like, okay, uh, whatever that means. They also have made plans to camp outside of Garcetti's house in protest. That's hilarious. I don't think, I think it would be funny if people who were proponents of this ordinance who wanted to show Eric Garcetti, hey, you should do this bill because this is what I have to deal with. I'm going to, I'm going to sit outside of your house so that you understand what it's like for these businesses, these families, uh, these local areas that have homeless people sitting out in front of them causing destruction, really. I'm going to show you what that's like by camping out in front of your house. But no, what these people are doing is saying, we're going to show you what it's like by proving to you that you should have signed this ordinance. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the concept here. Eric Garcetti signs a no camping bill, which is a huge win for the people of Los Angeles. And people who are opponents of this ordinance are going to do exactly what he's trying to get rid of and prove the point that he's making. Uh, just ridiculous. Mike Bonin uh, was one of the two city council members who voted against the ordinance and noted during the vote that we only have shelter beds for 39% of the unhoused population. A lot of things going on there. The whole unhoused population thing, uh, apparently homeless is a derogatory term nowadays. So we're using the term unhoused as if it's not their fault. We've got an interesting uh, article that we'll get to in a quick second that we kind of break down some of that language. But he said, only 39% of the unhoused population can fit into our shelter beds. What do we do about the other 61%? Dude, this is not a stagnant number. The number of homeless people isn't stagnant. If all of a sudden you build shelters for every single person, you're never going to get to 100%. You're just going to have more people that go to LA and say, oh, well, uh, turns out. There's homeless, they're, they're just gonna keep building them. So we might as well go, I, I don't know, maybe maybe me and my wife will rent out our house, continue making the mortgage payment and go move to LA if they've got a shelter for us. Um, because apparently, according to Mike Bonin, you need to have 100% of heads, in, which is an unrealistic and an impossible number to get to. You need to have 100% of beds or else we can't make people not poop on the streets. Or terrorize children at the park. Um, this guy is this guy's a nut job. He shares his own stories about being unhoused and being out in his car and slept on the beach. And look, all of that is sad. I, I understand that. But here's the thing: the people that are causing the problems are not the people that Councilman Bonin tries to glorify. They're not people that got behind uh, because of some out-of-control situation, like medical bills, right? Um, they're not people that are on the street that are like that. Those are not the people that we're worried about. The people that are on the streets that everybody's worried about are the people that are on drugs and refuse to get off drugs, because why would they? If you can sit in the park and just be drunk all day, I don't know. That sounds kind of great. If nobody's going to say anything and you just got your whole little setup in the park, why Why would anybody change? Why, why would you? On top of that, you got all the hard drugs out there. It, it doesn't – that argument doesn't make any sense because the people that have missed a medical bill and unfortunately are on their own, they're, they sought after the programs. There are ample programs for those people. And a lot of those people will take full advantage of them because they're sane, they're clean and sober, and they are wanting to turn around their life. Those aren't the people that we're worried about. There are ample resources for those people. The people that this ordinance is attempting to get out of the public eye are the people that are just going to yell at you on the sidewalk 
uh, or yell at themselves or the light pole for being there. They, those are the people that were really, really going after. And Mike Bonin, for some reason, is uh, opposed to allowing the people that paid for the infrastructure that these people are using, the, the park bench that you paid for with your tax dollars that you can't sit on because now it's some guy's house. <laughs> this is what Mike Bonin is saying. Well, we should we we need to we need to create beds. But look, dude, <laughs> you're going to create enough beds. It's just not possible because the second if if there are a thousand homeless people, the second you make a thousand beds, there's going to be fifteen hundred homeless people, and the second you get to fifteen hundred beds. There's going to be 2,000 and then 2,500. It's going to go on and on and on. So it's a bad argument that doesn't make any sense from a guy who is specifically pandering to the left of his party. Now, um, there's a lot of people that say, well, why don't we do anything? We have. LA City has done so much. In 2019, they spent $619 million. In 2020, they spent $457 million. In 2021, Eric Garcetti, in his LA City budget, allocated a billion dollars. A billion dollars! But nobody asked, well, what did all that money do? LA City has spent literally billions of dollars on the homeless crisis over the last several years and nobody looks at oh well it got worse so maybe you stop throwing money at the problem which is seemingly what they've been doing now or what they're doing now with this ordinance but it remains to be seen we've tried a lot of things from a money standpoint you've got uh, not to get into the homeless industrial complex because that's a big thing uh there are nonprofits out there that make so much money getting government contracts to build homeless um structures and they, and they make money hand over fist um but yeah there, there's there's a lot of things being done um and money being spent out the wazoo uh the, the idea that housing is too expensive so move. I, I, what, what does that mean? Housing is a housing prices are strictly caused by demand in a specific area. And now there's a whole other argument to be made that the government is playing its hand in the housing market, which only makes housing go up, uh, which is another bad thing. But go after a job in a place that you can afford, or get a skill that would allow you to get a job to afford where you want to live. That's, that's what human history is. That's why people are in California. The only reason people are here is because they had to move out of high price housing on the East Coast. They came out West to find opportunity. Go somewhere else. That You don't have to live where you live. I did it. I don't live in a place. Well, I won't say that. I, I like where I live. It's not my first choice, but I can't afford to live where I want to live, so I live here. Go figure. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of the situation. If you can't afford to live somewhere, move. Sorry. That's just what it is. Um, you know, it, all of this is just coming to a head. There's no way they could avoid this problem forever. At some point, something was had, had to be done. So in a tiny win, guys, we got it. We got a tiny win. The mayor of LA signed an ordinance that said you can't be here. You got to go somewhere else. Uh, which brings us to a really interesting article in Time Magazine by Congresswoman Cori Bush, um, who wrote about her experience over the week, or in an article over the weekend in Time Magazine. Again, a magazine uh, for those of you kids out there is is a website that they used to print out on paper for some reason, uh, but now it's just a website. So Time Magazine published an article by Cori Bush. Um, talking about her experience being homeless. Now, the article itself, I won't read a ton of it, but the article itself is is heartbreaking. It, it really is. Uh, it is a mother and her two kids living out of a car um, while she was working a low-wage job trying to make ends meet. Uh, and it sucks. Like, that, that seems terrible. However, I feel like the entire article was a what can the government do to help these people? Here's the thing. The government isn't good at helping people. You know who's good at helping a person? You. 
And that's exactly what Cori Bush did. It doesn't go into this article, but she talks about all of the hardship that she faced while being homeless, living in her car with her two kids, which is unimaginably sad. However, there were no better alternatives, so she clearly turned her life, she's a congresswoman now. So something, something clearly kicked on for her and said, I can't be living like this. I can't be living in a car with my two kids on my own. And now she's a congresswoman because her situation was so bad and there was no better alternative. She decided to pull herself out of it. I, like, again, I don't, I don't entirely know what her situation is, but clearly something clicked on to where she said, I, I've got I've to get out of the situation and did. And good for her. That's awesome. That's, that is what America is. You have the opportunity to go build a skill, to go better your life. And if the government takes that opportunity or that need away by providing everything to everyone, society collapses. This is just socialism. She talked about in her article, being unhoused in America must no longer be viewed as an individual shortcoming, but rather as an unacceptable life-threatening policy fav failure. So being homeless is not your fault. According to Congresswoman Cori Bush, it is a failure of policy. So it, 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 here's the thing. Nobody, nobody delineates between reasoning, right? Uh, there are some issues where, yeah, maybe it's not your fault, but those issues are minimal and those people aren't the ones pooping in the streets. Those people seek the programs that are available to them to seek. But apparently none of it's your fault. So if I decide I'm going to start doing meth, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do meth constantly because I just, I just love meth. Meth is my favorite. It's the best thing. Meth is so awesome. Uh, but turns out ruins your life. You might lose where you live. I might be in, might end up homeless. Um, but because of, not because of my decision, what Cori Bush is saying is that it's because of policy. Government policy is the reason I'm on the street, not because I have a terrible meth addiction. It's because of government policy. The minimum wage isn't high enough. So the government is telling me that it's illegal to work uh, for a wage that I'm okay with and the employer's okay with. That is the reason why I'm homeless, not my crippling heroin addiction. Uh, and it's not funny. I, I don't, uh, we, we have a huge drug epidemic uh, in the United States. There's some really interesting statistics that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe we'll get that get to that tomorrow. Um, but nevertheless, uh, she's saying that it the only reason that you are homeless is a policy failure, which is one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard. Our government created the economic and social conditions under which I and countless others became unhoused, which again is a New word, it's not homeless, it's uh, unhoused, because that sounds more appealing, I guess. Through unlivable wages, the absence of affordable housing and childcare. Again, it's not your fault, apparently. According to Cori Bush, it's not your fault, it's the government's fault, which is a ridiculous way to look at the world. Nevertheless, we'll say it one more time, Los Angeles, minor little win. We got one, guys. Like, we got it, we, we, we won just a little bit. The mayor signed an ordinance that would make sitting, loitering, uh, sleeping unlawful uh, because it harms the community and the people around you. So, even though it's just a little bit, we got one. Got a victory. Um, <clears throat> congratulations, Los Angeles. Congratulations, Mayor Garcetti. I agree with you on this one. Dude, it, the, the needle got pushed so far to the left that somebody had to do something. And this is a this is a positive for LA County. We did it. We got we got just a little bit. Um we're we're, we're we got a long way to go, but this is a this is a good start. Um this is also interesting. Not this is not at all related to what we were talking about, but I wanted to talk about it because I feel like there's a big disconnect between the two quote-unquote sides uh, with the whole COVID thing. There was a really hilarious Stephen Colbert clip with John Oliver that we'll, we'll play in just a second. Um, but talking about the lab leak theory, and, and apparently the lab leak theory is less agreed on, even still today, than we might have once thought. 
Uh, and a lot of people are covering their butts. The Wall Street Journal had a really, really interesting article that I really want to get into. It's it's fascinating on so many levels, on the level of the Chinese government, the level of the American government, um, how people view it now and the media's response, as well as Fauci and his whole cabal. So we'll get to that in just a quick second. Before, I want to tell you about capitalist propaganda. Capitalist propaganda is the best way to tell your friends that their socialist ideas suck. Uh, you can go to capitalistpropaganda.us. Uh, it's up to you to to help spread capitalist propaganda to defeat the empire. Uh, capitalist propaganda is the just you're welcome. Love capitalism. Um, best way to get some gear that tells your friends their socialist ideas suck. Capitalism rocks. Um, you may be thinking, where did you get that cool CNN suck shirt? Well, that's also on capitalistpropaganda.us. So head on over to capitalistpropaganda.us. Tell your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck and they're ruining America. Help promote capitalism with capitalist propaganda gear. So this is a really interesting clip that we've pro we, we would have played before, but we weren't on the air back then. Um, I really want to play this clip. This is John Stewart on Stephen Colbert's show. You've probably seen this already, but it's, it's hilarious. We want to like make sure that people continue to see it. Um, but this kind of illustrates the disconnect between several of us who can think for ourselves and your mainstream lefty media. Uh, this is John Stewart, Stephen Colbert. What do you, what, what, what do you mean by do you mean like well, this? So this perhaps was, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab. There's an investigation. A chance? Oh my God! If there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask the Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, so, uh, we'll continue this in a little bit, but John, John Stewart clearly uh, believes what is most likely true, that the coronavirus came out of a lab in Wuhan. No, I, you, you, the wait, name wait. of your lab, wait. if you look at the name, look at the name, can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey <coughs> and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, a, wait, okay. A, wait a second, wait a what second. What about this? What about wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That so uh, John Stewart clearly is on the side of this is definitely a lab leak. Um, now, if you remember, we'll go back, do a little history lesson. Back in like May, June of 2020, President Trump came out and said, "There's reason to believe that there is a lab. It was it came out of the lab in Wuhan, which is pretty much obvious." Uh, guys like Brett Weinstein were on top of this immediately. Brett Weinstein, for those of you who don't know, not a conservative, uh, very much a liberal guy, but also understands what is clearly and obviously true that it came out of a lab in Wuhan. Um, but if you remember. If you talked about that on Facebook or on Twitter, on Instagram, any of the social media platforms, not only did you get flagged as a no, this isn't true, Facebook took down the post and in, in a lot of, in some cases, completely banned you from their platform. So I, 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 I don't know. Uh, why did that happen? Wall Street Journal had a really interesting editorial that came out about this um, that I want to get into now about the lab leak theory. Nobody should expect that the Communist Party, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, 
to cooperate with a real inquiry into the origins of COVID-19. More disappointing, the lack of candor from American science, scientists and officials whose conflict of interest deserve more scrutiny. More than a year and a half after Chinese researchers published a draft genome of COVID-19, the world still doesn't know where the virus came from doesn't know specifically, and we'll get into the reasons why they talk about it a little bit. The World Health Organization team visited Wuhan this year, but Chinese officials provided, a, provided little useful information. Even WHO director Dr. Tedros, who, okay, just really quick aside, Dr. Tedros, uh, not a practicing medical physician, also from Ethiopia. So how, do you ask, uh, might you ask, did Dr. Tedros... A person, a, a non-medical doctor from a third world country, end up at the head of the Wuhan Institute, or sorry, sorry, the WHO. How did that guy become the leading expert at the WHO? Uh, well, China, if you don't know, has put a ton of money into Ethiopian infrastructure. You've got the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, which is a huge, huge billion dollar project. Uh, Ethiopian infrastructure has shot through the roof. How did they do it? Well, Chinese money. And when Chinese money goes into a place, they don't do it out of the goodness of their hearts. No, you owe them something back. Uh, so China somehow got this Dr. Tedros from Ethiopia, again, a third world country and not a practicing medical doctor, to be the head of the WHO uh, so that when something like this happened, Dr. Tedros is on their side, and it says so in here. So Dr. Tedros very, very deeply tied in with the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and the Wall Street Journal says it so. Even Dr. Tedros, the WHO Director General, criticized Beijing for the lack of transparency. He called for an audit of laboratories in Wuhan as a part of the origin of the investigation's next step, but Beijing rejected that idea. U.S. experts visited the lab in 2017 and 2018 and warned about dangerous mix of subpar safety standards and infectious bat coronaviruses. Um, basically, we were there and we saw that this lab was uh, bunk. Look, look, I understand that this is like not necessarily new news, uh, but this is still a thing that a lot of people apparently don't know about. I, I wouldn't have covered it. I, we, like, we've been talking about this for the last six months. Right, uh, all of your big cable talk shows, all of your big news outlets on the with a little bit more of a conservative bent have been talking about this for months, but apparently it hasn't entirely caught on. So that's why we're talking about it now. Basically, we had gone 2017, 2018, uh, and said that look, this lab is like not cool. Uh, it's we should definitely figure something out because this is a uh, very dangerous. Um, uh, the article goes on to say the NIH, the National Institute Institution of Health, uh, the NIH, Dr. Fauci heads up the NIH, gave almost $600,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology through a nonprofit over several years to study bat coronaviruses. Um, then they go into talking about Rand Paul versus Dr. Fauci. You've obviously seen those clips. We're not going to play any of them because... The context takes a little while to explain, and it kind of deviates from what we're trying to get at or what this article is trying to get at. Um, but Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci have been known to go at it. Um, a lot of people also don't know this. Dr. Or, sorry, Rand Paul is also a doctor. He's an optometrist, so he deals with eyes, but he's also a medical doctor. So people write him off constantly about just a random dude talking about, just a random center. He doesn't know who's talking about. Dr. Fauci says, sir, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the guy's also a doctor. So he clearly has some idea what he's talking about. In early 2020, Dr. Fauci emailed his deputy a paper co-written by gain-of-function pioneer Ralph Barrick and a Wuhan scientist. The official, res the official responded with, uh, they would try to determine if they have any distant ties to this work abroad. Basically, in early 2020, Dr. Fauci sent an email trying to cover his butt. Uh, why? Because the NIH, through nonprofits, donated $600,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, the next day, Dr. Fauci organized a call 
with several non-governmental virologists, but the email chain and the meeting has been redacted. Weeks later, a group of scientists published a letter in The Lancet, which is a scientific journal, condemning conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 did not have a natural origin. So, Weeks after, we, and this is all uh, retrospective, we find out that Dr. Fauci sent uh, emails to various people in his organization uh, talking about how, how are we trying to decide, are we culpable? Do we have any ties to this lab breaking out? Um, all of the rest of the email chain has been redacted, so we don't know. And what probably happened is they said, yeah, we do. We've donated to them, uh, our nonprofit arm, the guy the guy in charge of donating. So uh, we're going to go back up and through. A guy named Peter Dazak is the one who put together uh, this letter that, uh, that 20 scientists signed on to saying that it definitely didn't come out of a lab, right? So Peter Dazak, who is the president of EcoHealth Alliance, uh, organized this letter saying it definitely didn't come out of the lab. Here's the thing. Peter Dezak of EcoHealth Alliance is also the nonprofit that the NIH used to funnel money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So the NIH sends money to Peter Dazak's organization. Peter Dazak then sends that money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Clearly conflict of interest. Then, probably knowing what we all know now is that the lab that came, it was definitely a lab leak. Peter Dazak organizes a group of scientists to say that there's no way it was a lab leak, probably covering his own butt and Fauci's butt because they understand that if they were tied to it, they're well. Let me keep reading. Fauci and his allies have obvious conflicts of interest. The Lancet letter was organized by Peter Daszak, who funneled money. Mr. Daszak and Fauci and all of the researchers involved in gain-of-function research would suffer significant reputational damage or perhaps lose funding if scientific research they supported caused the pandemic, which it clearly did. Now, I'm not a virologist. You may not know this about me, but, uh, uh, you know, I went to grad school to get my virology degree. Um, <laughs> of course, I did not. That's all fake. But uh, I'm not a virologist, so I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to gain of function. And I'll admit that. Um, so with that, I, I will say I, I have no idea if in the broad scope, gain of function is a good idea. But nevertheless, Fauci, Dazak, who were proponents of the non-lab leak theory, had a big vested interest in gain of function research, which it, it, it's pretty clear that now that we all <laughs> we all think that they came out of the lab, they were trying to cover their own butts because they were going to, like the Wall Street Journal says, suffer significant reputational damage and perhaps lose funding for... Uh, now, look, again, I don't know if gain-of-function research is a good thing or a bad thing. I, I have no idea, and I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, and I, I guess a little bit in defense of these guys is they could have looked at this as their Chernobyl, right? Nuclear energy, uh, probably a pretty good idea. Um, seems like it puts out less weight, but everybody's scared to death of it because of incidents like Chernobyl and Fukushima. Even though those incidents probably uh, could have been avoided, uh, they still happened. And therefore, nuclear energy is not the way that we do things Um from a power source. So it, it could have very well been that Dazak, Fauci, thought that gain of function has a greater uh, positive than a negative, and then therefore were afraid that this was going to be their Chernobyl. However, you still can't do that, right? If something leaks from the lab, you have to look at the lab specifically and say, here are all the reasons they got it wrong. Gain of function is still a good idea, but we have to take better precautions. We have to do it in the United States, and we can't sanction other people doing it unless they have our full approval, which, like we said earlier in the article, the Secretary of State's office visited in 2007, 2018, and said, this Wuhan lab is not cool. Like, they, they're, not, they're not taking any of the precautions that they need. Uh, it's not uh, a good place to be doing this gain of function. Now, 
it's understandable why Fauci and Dazak would try to cover their own butts. But the thing is, you can't do that. You can't. You can't have government officials involved in something. I don't want to say that dangerous because they don't know that it's that dangerous, even though even though they probably did. Um, they might believe wholeheartedly in gain of function, and their goal in denying the lab leak theory could have been that they believe so much in gain of function that they didn't want this again to turn into their Chernobyl or Fukushima. But government officials can't blackball something that actually happened. Now, look, we're never going to officially, officially know. It's been so long. China, the Chinese Communist Party has had so long to clean up everything. Nobody going into Wuhan now is going to find out any information that they don't know already uh, because China's not going to give it up. They, they denied a request for further investigation by the WHO. Um, no, they're, they're going to say, no, we're not going to discuss that. And, and I don't know, who can blame them? I, I, I think it's crazy. I think China's, the Chinese Communist Party is 100% uh, the cause of all of this. But why would they? Why would they let anybody else in? Because they won, essentially, with the help of people like Peter Daszak and... To an extent, Dr. Fauci and all of the other researchers involved, uh, China won. They, they've stifled the investigation so long and so hard that we'll never officially know. Everybody everybody who's being honest with themselves uh, is pretty much in agreement. That, yeah, it came out of the lab in Wuhan. But because, unfortunately, Donald Trump said something about it, you've got your orange man bad crew come out and say, no, there's no possible way. And then you've got this Dazak guy who released a letter saying that this is definitely not how it happened. Um, come to find out that it was only to cover his own butt. Uh, so the Wall Street Journal closes with the Congress should thoroughly investigate the process that led to the approval of money for the Wuhan Institute of Virology and possible gain-of-function research. So Congress, uh, the Wall Street Journal is basically urging Congress to say, hey, who was it that decided that the NIH should give $600,000 to this lab who in 2017-18 we visited and realized it was not a good place to give to. Who was in charge of giving that money? Uh, it also should debate debate limits on this kind of research in the U.S. and push for international standards. While China is unlikely to budge, it's uh, opacity around the aroused justification suspicion around the world, and the White House should keep the pressure on Beijing and the WHO. Such groupthink, which has prevented the lab leak theory um, oh, this is a sentence that I cut out in, in Rome. Basically, they're, they're saying that the group think that caused the lab leak theory to be treated as a conspiracy theory for more than a year is not good for the country. And this is not a surprising or shocking thing. Um, making the same mistake twice is inexcusable. So Wall Street Journal hitting the Biden administration, uh, Dr. Fauci, Peter Daszak, um, Congress, pretty hard saying that, look, we all are aware that this is a was a lab leaked thing. And, and again, we've all been talking about this for months. Uh, so <laughs> this is not any new information for us. Uh, but apparently we've got to talk about it because uh, it's not entirely known from everybody. People, people still think orange man bad. Um, so <laughs> uh, let's see, Chuck uh, says, never let a crisis go to waste, says the Dems. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's 100% true. Um, if you're not familiar with this statement or with this uh, idea of thinking, never, never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, it's the idea that when you have a crisis, you can get a lot of other things done more quickly. Let's just say, let's just say, for example, I'm not necessarily saying this happened to me. There's a pump that I really, really want in my house. Um, it is a suction pump that comes up, uh, brings water up through it, and then spurts it out into the gutter. Uh, I really, really want this pump, uh, but pump's expensive. My wife doesn't say that we should get the pumps, so I can't get the pump. Pretty hard to do. Pretty hard to do a thing. Now, however, if there is an emergency, say my bathroom has a link, and all of a sudden my bathroom is flooded. I can make a much better, more reasonable case to get that pump. So if you're not familiar with the, with the term never let a crisis go to waste, that's exactly what it is. Uh, don't let a crisis go to waste that could allow you to do more things um, that you want to get done in the future. So Chuck, thanks for, uh, thanks for that note. Um, 
<laughs> this one from Cindy. We can beat these tyrants with the new variant. They want to shut down uh, again. The dude, like, I, you can't, I, you can't get me to care about it anymore. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't really make a big stink about it in public. Um, if someone tells me to put on a mask, I, yeah, I go to my car and I leave and go somewhere else. I just, I, you can't get me to care. Um, like we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, there was a People article that came out um, last, over the weekend, and that People article had this big title. This is 74% of COVID infections uh, in a CDC study in Massachusetts were fully vaccinated. So of all of the COVID infections, 74% of them were fully vaccinated, said a CDC study. Um, the article goes on to say, which again, sounds kind of scary, I guess, but the article goes on to say that 469 cases, 364, 346 were vaccinated, which is 74%. 274 were symptomatic. Uh, people that were hospitalized, four. Four people were hospitalized. Uh, and it wraps up with nobody died. So you can't get me to care about it anymore. Like I, like, I don't know. If people are dropping dead in the streets, I guess like I'll start to care about it. But I just, I just don't. I can't bring myself to care. And, you know, it's all the people that contracted it and have died from it, I, that sucks. I feel very bad for them. Um, and if, hap if it happened to somebody in my family, which is still very well could, uh, that that would be awful. Um, but I just I can't bring myself to care anymore. Anyways, thanks for the comments. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning into the Joe Bob Show. This is a uh, if you're brand new to the show, this is a conservative. We'll call it podcast, but it's also a show. We've got a couple different radio deals in the works right now, but, uh, you know, is what it is. More conservative show every day at 9 a.m. minus some days because uh, I do do another, another show over with the Daily Caller, and sometimes that takes a little bit more time than we want it to, uh, which leads us into promoting uh, Quality Control and Daily Caller. If you haven't seen it yet, Quality Control is my show on the Daily Caller. The Daily Caller, again, uh, prides themselves on being journalists that love America, founded by Tucker Carlson. Uh, in 2010, The Daily Caller, awesome organization. I've got a show over there with them. Go check it out. It's called Quality Control. We do a deep dive. It's, it's like a conservative John Oliver. We do a deep dive into, uh, let's see, what have we done in the past? Uh, COVID in schools, how the teachers unions just completely ruined the lives of millions and millions of kids throughout COVID. Uh, we did the border crisis. Uh, we did uh, rising violence. There's cri violent, violent crime all over America. We did White House, the White House versus Facebook. Uh, CRT was a really interesting one. That's probably our most viewed one. Um, we kind of break down what CRT is. Maybe we'll do that on an episode of this uh, podcast or show, the Joe Bob show. Um, but go check it out. Quality Control on Daily Caller. You can find it on their YouTube, Facebook page. Go onto their website, Quality Control. Also, thank you to Capitalist Propaganda, the best way to get the gear that tells your socialist friends that their ideas completely suck. CapitalistPropaganda.us. This has been a fun episode today. Thank you so much for tuning into The Joe Bob Show. We will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, we've got a really interesting guest. Um, without going into too much detail, this is a group of Latino conservatives that are shedding some light on the shifting dynamics in minority America kind of as a whole, specifically in the Latino culture. Uh, really, really interesting group coming on tomorrow to talk about uh, the shifting demographics and could it end up helping the Republican Party? How, how hilarious would that be? Is <laughs> if all of the people from Latin America, South America, Central America were coming up through the border and everybody's all upset about it and the Biden administration completely does nothing and all of them... Uh, in future generations turn out to be Republican voters. How hilarious would that be? Anyways, those guys are on tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning into the Joe Bob Show. Uh, we had a great time. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America.